Welcome back. You're listening to the One Two Three Show. Yes, my mic is on. Uh, with me, Karen Co. This afternoon, I'm here with you through till three o'clock, and we are about to turn to our next guest of today, and we're talking about um, school leavers, students both finishing high school and university, who basically, because of coronavirus, have had their entire final semester. Um, you know, sort of taken away from them. So we're joined on the line now by Anisha Abraham, who is a pediatrician and teen health specialist based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Anisha used to live in Hong Kong. She used to actually give a lot of talks at schools in Hong Kong, and she was also on faculty at the Prince of Wales Hospital. So Anisha, welcome to the program. Thank you, Karen, for having me. It's great to hear your voice here back in Hong Kong after all this time. I know. So, first of all, you're in Amsterdam. Just give us a, a brief thing of how are things there in the Netherlands? Well, Karen, I, the situation here is very similar to perhaps other places in Europe. We are also on lockdown. We are experiencing school uh, closures and having young people at home doing online schooling. And um, as in many other places, we're also experiencing things like uh, toilet uh, paper shortages and uh, mass shortages. Um, so lots of the challenges um, similar to other places. Okay, so we're, the whole world is pretty much in the same boat. Let, let's talk about how these kids are feeling. Um, I've had so many friends whose kids, are, whose kids are of that age, either graduating from high school or graduating from university. And first of all, their whole semester has just been pretty much taken away from them. I mean, they're doing online learning, but that's just about it. And all the things they've worked for, all the things they're looking forward to, there's just huge question marks over that. Help, help us understand what these kids are going through. Karen, as you said, this is a very difficult time for young people, particularly those that have, again, been asked to uh, leave school to come home and are interrupting their school term or the university term. And young people are telling me that they're really worried and frustrated about their inability to perhaps take standardized exams. They're wondering how they're going to continue their education and their training. Uh, they're also worried about their prospects of perhaps getting a job with the economic downturn. Um, and not only are they worried about the future, um, but they also feel isolated because they can't see their friends. And for some of them, that's just some of them, they also feel that they're stuck at home with their families. Um, and that can also be a challenge. So I think that it's, um, again, a, a really rough time for young people. And how is it, how are young people at processing things like this, say, say compared to adults who, you know, maybe just have more life experience, have more perspective? That's a good question. And I would say that the short answer is that they're still in a process of development. Their brains are still developing. So um, some of these things might be a little bit more challenging in terms of being able to think about uh, the end and, you know, what, what all of this means. Um, I'd also say that they're probably going through uh, some stages of grieving um, that we may see when you have a, a profound loss or a death. And so they may go from feeling anger and frustration to perhaps feeling denial and hopefully over time some acceptance as well. Mm. Now, one of the things you mentioned um, before was the fact that, you know, they can't really socialize with their friends. And we know for young right. people, their friend group is so, so important. How, how big of an issue is that for them? Friend group is important. Peers are very, very important for adolescents. It's um, a time for them to 
really be you know with their friends and socializing with them and learning from them. So not being able to see them on a regular basis can be very difficult. And I certainly think that um, this is an important time to really encourage young people to still have those connections. And um, there's so many wonderful ways that they can still stay connected through you know, WhatsApp or FaceTime or other virtual ways in, instead of seeing them. Um, but as you said, uh, friends um, are very important. And um, this um, is a tough time in so many ways because of that. And also, what about all the traditions, you know, that go with this this finishing of a milestone, you know, the, the prom, the graduation, all those things? And, and young people also say that they're missing those milestones and they feel that there's just a real void. Um, they're really feeling that lack of being able to complete something or to celebrate. And I think it's very important for families to think about how they can create their own celebrations at home or their own milestones and certainly helping young people to also think that um, this is an opportunity for them to think about um, other ways uh, to do things. And um, a, a very important concept that I always talk about with young people is the fact that uh, the road to success is actually not one that's a linear one where we feel like we plan something and then we get to the next milestone and to the next milestone. But in fact, young people tend to do better and are more successful if they have a slightly windy or circuitous path where they have to perhaps take a path and keep readjusting as they go because they're able to kind of think about um, how to handle those challenges. And I think that's something else to think about when, again, we've lost these milestones and now we have to about how we can circumvent them and build and become more resilient because of that. Mm. Do, do you think it makes it easier that there's basically a whole cohort of them? It's not just you know one person in isolation, but everyone is going through a similar thing. I think it's an important concept. Again, if you're an adolescent, you sometimes think you're the only person that's going through these right. experiences. And um, I think it's important to remind them that there are a lot of people, not just in Hong Kong, but around the world that are going through the same exact experience. And as I mentioned before, really figuring out how we can build on this and help them to be stronger and more resilient and take this as an opportunity to perhaps learn and grow from it. It's a very important part of it. Mm. Are there any sort of outlets that you think would be useful for for kids who are feeling frustrated or maybe even depressed about this? I mean, are there ways that they can sort of safely express this that just gets it off their chest apart from ranting to their parents and their friends? (laughs) Right. Well, I I think that um, certainly uh, having coping skills is very important and we as caregivers and parents should be modeling those behaviors because they learn from us as to how to react to challenges. Uh, but certainly making sure that they have time to exercise, um, incorporating things like uh, healthy eating to boost their immunity, making sure that they stick to routines like still sleeping and um, you know, uh, making sure that they have some time where they're disconnecting from digital devices and they're doing something that's just not um, on their iPhones. Um, and of course, continuing, as I mentioned, to stay connected with their loved ones. So it can be you know, through uh, other family members or um, their own friends, but staying connected is a very important part of this. And um, both educators and kids say over and over again how much technology has helped them um, paradoxically to stay connected and to feel um, better during this very difficult time. Right. So maybe now is not the time to tell your kids to get off their phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I spent so much of my time as a pediatrician talking about how 
we need to think about limiting digital time, but I would have to say we probably need to throw that rule out the door right now <laughs> and to say that we need to embrace it um, and to really use technology because there's so one, many wonderful ways now we can use that to bring people close into our homes. Um, and we need to relax those rules just a little bit. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think all of us, even as adults, find ourselves um, going on social media a lot more and sharing everything right. from here's something I baked yesterday <laughs> uh, to, you know, here's the pedicure I did at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's certainly so many more memes and cartoons that are uh, com coming out. And I think it also just speaks to the fact that um, we really need to use humor. Um, it's a very universal way um, to get through this very difficult process. Right, exactly. I think it definitely helps um, release the pressure a little bit. Um, the other Absolutely. thing, you know, the other thing, of course, is that now when people are social distancing and people are working from home, kids are homeschooling, everybody in a family is in much closer quarters for a longer period of time than they're used to um, being. And of course, that can be wonderful, but it can also bring up a lot of tensions. Um, so how do you suggest families cope with that? I mean, teenagers love to be on their own with their doors closed. Right. Um, maybe now it's not always possible. Right. And I, I would certainly agree that this is a time where everyone's in very close quarters and it can be difficult because you're on top of each other and um, you don't have a liberty to get out or to do other things that you would like to. Um, I will just say that this is a very important time for uh, parents and again caregivers to really uh, connect with their teenagers. I mean, how unusual is it that they're in their in the home so much? And so, using a this time to really connect um, with young people and to also validate their feelings. Uh, as we discussed, kids are feeling frustrated, they're feeling angry, um, and really trying to um, think about ways to listen to them without maybe lecturing um, or minimizing how much stress that they're going to and trying to prioritize, you know, how they're feeling and processing this, um, I, I think is a very important part of what they need to be doing. Also, just encouraging them to know that this is an opportunity for them to learn and uh I talk a lot about strengths and what young people are doing well. And I think that this is a wonderful time for parents to come back to what is it that your child really loves to do. Um, every child and every adult has something that is their strength or kind of their primary uh, kind of interest. And so building on that, whether it's the arts or music or coding, um, this is a wonderful time to do that. Mm. And I think also maybe, you know, do you think parents should take a bit of pressure off, off themselves in trying to ah, fix yes. everything. I mean, parents always want to fix everything, but you know, hey, <laughs> you're not going to be able to fix this. <laughs> yes, it's, it's true. I think we're not going to be able to fix it. Um, there's, you know, young people are going to still feel very frustrated. So again, just really um, understanding that they're going to have these feelings. Um, and I think it's important for parents because a number of parents are also going through their own challenges. And parents tell me over and over again how hard it is for them to get their own work done when they have you know, another child or teenager in the home and they're constantly cooking and cleaning and it's very hard to kind of have everyone be able to be productive. And so for parents, just acknowledge these challenges and let their teens know that they're also trying to figure out how to cope um, with this ever-changing situation. And being honest about that, I think, is very useful. Mm. You know, before the show, I was talking to my colleague, James, who was, who was on the air before me, and we were saying how very often in a family so much of your communication just revolves around logistics of you right, need to be right. here at this time and don't forget that <laughs> right. and are you coming right. home for dinner and right. I guess this is a nice time to get away from just those 
those kinds of conversations and talk about some very meaningful things. This is a perfect time to have conversations with your teenagers and um, to have, of course, conversations about how they're feeling and what they're thinking about for the future and maybe dreaming about, you know, how to do something differently or to plan a, you know, different um, kind of future for themselves. But this is also a wonderful time for families to reconnect and to do some, you know, wonderful family things. And, and our family, you know, we pulled out the board games, it's pandemic and monopoly, and we're you know, doing fun meals together. Uh, we've created a Netflix list. And I know other families have done things like dress up um, in their formal wear and have a very you know, nice dinner together or do movie themed meals. So there's some fun ways that you can um, create family events and kind of bring some enjoyment out of this. Mm. And how would you uh, advise parents to talk to their kids who are just feeling so negative who who are saying things like you know this is the worst year of my life I'll always have this as a memory of this terrible year where you know it was my last year of high school and it was just all terrible it was taken away from me <laughs> well I think that um, with adolescents, there's certainly an element of um, saying these things and um, feeling quite uh, alone uh, sometimes and that this is really uh, the worst thing that's ever happened. I would just say that, of course, if they make offhand comments and there's a lot of eye rollings and door slams, um, as long as it's not dangerous, it's probably okay to ignore it. But if your child is really not eating or sleeping well, they're really irritable or sad on a regular basis, um, they just can't get off their device, it's very difficult for them to take a break, um, it may be a sign that they're struggling and they need a little bit more support. And I know having, again, worked and lived in Hong Kong, that sometimes it's very hard for families to think about perhaps um, going to someone else outside of the family for help, um, particularly when it comes to mental health. But I think in this particular situation, it's really, really important. Um, so certainly as a parent, if you can take the time to talk to your uh, teenager about what they're experiencing, or if you don't feel comfortable getting perhaps um, another family member or another adult um, to be involved in that conversation, and um, otherwise, uh, it's really, I think, an important time to reach out to a health provider or counselor for some additional help. And most of them are now providing consultations through telemedicine and through phone, so you don't actually have to go into an office. Mm, yes, exactly. Yeah, there's, it's true. It's good to remember that there are a lot of um, resources out there that, that parents can yes. go to if they need that help. Maybe the parents need help as well, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> and, yes, and I would probably say this is a great time for parents to also realize that they can get that help too. Now, um, Anisha, another thing I wanted to yeah. mention um, is you have a book coming out, which is called Raising Global Teens, Parenting in the 21st Century. I know you were going to put it out very soon, but now it's been slightly <laughs> delayed. But tell us a bit more about that. Right, Karen, as, as you mentioned, I do have a book coming out. It was supposed to come out uh, in the month of April, and it was actually supposed to be in Hong Kong, also releasing it and doing some book-related events. And um, as with uh, many of us, um, plans have changed with COVID, and um, certainly um, this has been delayed. I will be releasing this now in the fall. And the premise is, as, as the world is becoming more interconnected and more mobile, that we have more and more young people um, that are what I call global kids or uh, global teenagers. And they're the products of parents that are immigrants. They themselves have immigrated. Their parents may be from different backgrounds. They may have moved to a country as an expat or moved from place to place within a country. So we have many more young people that are like this. 
or exposed to people from other cultures and backgrounds. And with that comes some wonderful strengths in terms of adaptability and languages. For example, so many young people in Hong Kong will speak English and Mandarin and perhaps another uh, language and are very used to traveling and um, you know seeing people from different backgrounds. But there can be some challenges uh, in adolescence, particularly at the time when you're really trying to develop who you are and answer that existential question, you know, who am I and, and what do I mean? Um, and so there can be some real challenges in particular when it comes to identity and belonging. So this book uh, looks at um, many of the hot issues that are occurring right now among young people with the lens of being a global teen. And um, I start with many of the questions that both teens and also parents have asked me over the years. Um, it's meant to be very practical, and I go through hot topics like media use and sexual health uh, and depression, but it all um, ends in a very practical note in each chapter with answers to many of those questions. Mm, it's it definitely must uh, uh, <laughs> needed at this time, and it's so true that the teens, many of the teens of today, especially a lot of them who we um, have in Hong Kong, have these multi-dimensional lives from different backgrounds, and you know, you ask them where are you from, and it takes them quite a while to actually figure out, you know, where they're from and and who they are in terms of identity. Absolutely, and I, a very important part of that is really starting to have discussions with kids. And maybe this is a wonderful opportunity, as everyone's with their uh, their teenager or their child right now, is to really say. Um, what is your story or what is our story as a family? And um, what I know from young people is being able, able to even discuss, you know, that experience of knowing who they are um, can be very important in the identity process. So talking about your personal journey or story and talking about, you know, what their identity is, who their tribe is, is a very important part of that. Mm. Well, Anisha, great tips um, from you for all those families with teens and for the teens and young adults who are going through this right now. Um, and is, is there a way if someone wanted to reach out to you, do you have a website or a way that, that people can contact you as well and find more, find out more? Yes, uh, my website is draanishaabraham.com. Okay, great. I'll put that up on my Facebook page too in case anybody um, wants to contact you. Anisha, thank you so much again for joining us today. Thank you, Karen. Talk to you soon. And that was Dr. Anisha Abraham, who's a pediatrician and teen health specialist based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands.